Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What is up, guys? I hope you're having a fantastic week or day whenever you are listening to this. I'm dropping in with an episode today with two really good friends of mine, uh, Emma Murray, who is a mind coach, and she's also the founder of High Performance Mindfulness, past guest of the show, um, an absolutely incredible human and someone I'm very uh, grateful to have connected with, and my good friend Jake Valise, um, who we kind of connected over meditation, to be honest, and Dr. Joe Dispenza. And then funnily enough, all three of us ended up at Dr. Joe Dispenza's advanced meditation retreat um, up in the Sunshine Coast this year. You may have already heard an episode that I did on my personal takeaways from that week and what I really learned about myself through meditation and pushing the limits of meditation, I guess, in, in comparison to what I'd done previously and how that correlates to everyday life. But today, I'm sharing a conversation between the three of us. Um, I got Emma and Jake over to um, sit down and just have a chat, a bit of a debrief of the week and what they took away from it and their experiences. And there is plenty of value in this episode. So if you enjoy it, I would absolutely love for you to take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your friends or someone you think would benefit from listening to this one. Um, If there's any issues with the audio, um, I apologize. We were kind of short on a mic, so we're sharing one of them, but um, it was a great chat. They're two very great people, um, and I was very fortunate to spend that week with them, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Emma, Jake, how are we? Great to see you both, and... I think today's episode or the, our conversation today is going to be super insightful. We were talking just before I hit record and trying to understand how what angle we should approach it because I feel like since I've got back from this meditation retreat with Dr. Joe Dispenza, and we'll, we'll mention that right from the start, so our experiences that we're going to be talking about today are off the back of the week-long advanced meditation retreat with Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, which we'll go into more detail about in the chat. But what I've found since I got back is and we were just talking about this, it's been hard to articulate to people who haven't experienced any of Joe's work before or even those who have just scratched the surface as to what went into the week and even like the outcomes which varied from person to person and even the intentions coming into it. So we're doing this a little bit bootleg. We've only got two mics. So I might start with you, Emma. I bumped into you at the airport on our way there, which firstly... Those synchronicities were crazy in itself, right? I hadn't seen you for that long. And then we bumped into each other, had a good chat. I sat down and said, I'll see you on the go- on, in Queensland. And then you're in the seat next to me. Oh, crazy. Which was crazy. Yeah, but yeah. coming into the week, like what, what were your expectations for the week or what was your thoughts around what you personally were going to get out of the week? I think, um, you know, I live... A- like most people, a really busy life and I'm doing everything at breakneck speed. So like anything I do, I didn't give it enough time or thought. It was always on my bucket list. I like, um, I was introduced to Joe Dispenza after my son Will broke his neck. Uh, So seven years ago, someone um, introduced me to his work because Joe Dispenza is a doctor who broke his neck riding a bike, wasn't he? A training for a triathlon. Mm. And uh, the story as I understand it was that he was um, 
in a hospital bed and he used his understanding of anatomy to really meditate on his anatomy and he always set the intention that if he healed from this accident he was going to dedicate his life to um, the study of the mind and the body and healing and because his choice at the time was he kind of uh, decided not to go with the spinal fusion or something I think at the time wasn't it yeah so it was very in most people's eyes low odds of his choice to actually work out yeah and he fully recovered now I always put a footnote that that doesn't mean everyone with a spinal cord injury can close their eyes and meditate on their anatomy and and recover. Um, You know, it means that he was able to tap into the right intention and energy and frequency, all the things that we learnt, but I would never put on my son that, hey, just go and, you know, if he can do it, you can do it. So I think that's important to to set the record straight. But what I found when I was introduced to Joe seven years ago through Will's injury, I liked the work um, because of the, the performance um, side of it, what I felt I could help my athletes with from a performance aspect. And whilst I never have taught Joe's work, certainly things I've learned from him has impacted how I work with athletes. So it was always on my bucket list to do his retreat. COVID came along, he wasn't coming to Australia. Then all of a sudden he was. And really I signed up because I always wanted to. Gave it no thought until I landed at the airport. I see you and I'm like, I'm off to this retreat. I didn't know (laughs) what it entailed. I didn't know, you know, other than the packing list, I I just turned up. And um, I I sort of loved that I had no idea what was um, going to take place there. Because um, I don't know that I would have gone had I known half the stuff that we did. Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about it with my partner, Danielle. Some of the things that come up during the week and I've mentioned to a few people and Jake and I talked about it a lot that as the week went on, you really started to appreciate the way that Joe uh, scheduled the week and the order of the content and the easing into it. Even though I didn't feel like we're eased into it on day one, everything started to like click and and it was all ordered in a way that really aligned perfectly with what stage of the week we're at. And you you mentioned something before even around, you said you wouldn't just give the meditations to someone and say, do this and you'll fix yourself. But I don't know about you guys, but something that I really took away from the week was it doesn't necessarily have to, you don't have to go into these styles of meditations or any form of healing journey with the specific outcome in mind and in focus every single time you meditate, but more so the understanding that it's possible and your acceptance of the fact that there is a possibility that this can happen. Because without that, you can meditate as much as you want. But if you genuinely don't like it, subconsciously believe that it's possible, then you probably won't see the, the outcome. Yeah. If I take a step back, I think we should explain that Joe, Dr. Joe has committed to himself and I think he's gone a lot da- more down this road since COVID to the heal- healing side of meditation. Um, I was introduced to the healing side of meditation when I first learned was trained as a meditation tr- teacher through the Gawler Foundation. So Ian Gawler was had cancer, Um, he heavily committed to mindfulness meditation, Um, healed himself of stage four for cancer and started the Gawler Foundation, which closed over COVID, unfortunately, but 
um, is renowned around the world. And they, the Gawler Foundation always said when you were facing an illness or um, something that required healing, they would say throw your full intention at it, throw whatever um, the medical world can offer to it and then throw the X factor of meditation into it and that's the best fo formula to heal. And, um, you know, I have never used meditation in that healing space. It's always been a performance space for me. So that's really caught me off guard when we went away for this week, how much it was centred around healing. But I, like you, took... I loved his message was that for people listening, meditation, when you're talking about using it as a healing tool, what you're actually trying to do is using it as a tool to change. And so you're trying to change your mindset, you're trying to change your thoughts, but you're more importantly trying to change the environment of your um, nervous system, the environment of your, you know, internal... Subconscious as yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, but also your internal world, you're trying to change that. So whilst ever you go into meditation using it as um, a process of change or as me, as joe describes meditation becoming familiar so i'm using meditation to become familiar with thoughts and feelings and internal environment that is not serving me very well and i'm using it to become familiar with an environment that is going to serve me better then it doesn't matter if it's healing from an illness or an injury or it's improving performance or it's improving anxiety, as long as we're coming from it with the intention that I'm meditating to get some sort of change, then I think it's really powerful. Mm. And I'm jump in, JK. Any yeah, Jake, I'll, I'll jump in one sec before we keep going with that. I think what I came into the week uh, already having an understanding of, but even more so, was that I'd started to focus a lot in my meditations on and even when speaking with clients about even his health and fitness goals as well as that in order to see real change, you need to become that version of yourself and not have that separation and lack or not just do the things that are going to get you the result that you want, but more so embody that version of yourself. And, and what I found with Joe's meditations, and obviously he talks about this a lot, is that you're almost changing that process of like, all right, I'm here and I want to get there. But in these meditations, it's like physiologically feeling the emotions and the energy of what it would be like if it had already happened. So then your body is getting a taste of that reality beforehand, which then... Yeah. Yeah. I get, that, yeah. that was one of the hardest parts for me was, is feeling the emotions because I feel like I've maybe blocked off a lot of the emotions that I feel. So for me to get to that point where I'm starting to feel emotions, emotions that I want to feel like love and gratefulness, I had to sit down and think about what I actually wanted in life and I wasn't able to do that until I asked myself that question and I never asked myself that question until after the event. So the way Joe describes things and what the meditation is actually doing to your mind when you're in those levels of consciousness is what really resonated with me and worked for me. Yeah, I, I'm just going to steal the mic back here because <laughs> I want to just take a little bit step back and mm. then that we can launch into this for the audience. So when we use that word meditation, I think people get really confused because they're like, what are you talking about feeling love and what are you, 
what, what are you even meaning here? So there's so many different types mm. of meditations. There is mindfulness meditation when you are holding your attention on different things. And what mindfulness meditation is going to do is it's going to help you improve your focus. And um, there's meditations like TM meditation where you actually meditate on a mantra. And what that is going to do is reduce the stress and anxiety and it's going to give you an internal focus so it's going to take your world off, your attention off the outside busy world. You're going to come internal and you're going to calm that down. So there's a, so many different types of meditations and this is and, and I think for a lot of people they're like, I'm no good at meditating because I, I can't sit on a mantra or I can't hold my attention on, you know, my breath. What Dr. Joe's meditations, how I would describe them, is a meditation where you are um, tapping into the thoughts and feelings of a world that you want to create for yourself effectively, mm. whether that's a well body or that's abundance or that is, um, you know, great relationships. And so he wants you to use the process of meditation to expose the thoughts and feelings that are not serving you. Mm -hmm. And Dan, you and I got kicked in the ass with that one that yeah. we can talk about. So it's first, let's sit in that meditation and let's let you have a really become very familiar with this stuff that is holding you back and that doesn't feel good and that is not allowing you to get what you want in life. But then let's get really um, into the feelings particularly of um, what you do want because when I can do that, then I'm changing the energy frequency in my body and when I change the energy frequency in, in my body, it changes the energy field that I sit in and then as I change this energy field, then I start attracting different energy fields Yeah. and now we get into the quantum, right? And so... When Jake, you say, I couldn't even, I didn't even know those feelings that I was trying to get into, most of us don't. We, and, and what Joe is teaching us is that we go through our life unconscious. We are asleep. So we uh, have this asleep mind that is running these thoughts autopilot. on autopilot. They're so habitual. We've been running them for years and years and years. They're driving these feelings in us that make us heavy and tight and anxious and overwhelmed. And so we're going through our life asleep at the wheel on this autopilot and it doesn't feel good. But we're desperately hoping and wishing and praying for something to be different, right? So if we look at what you do, Dan, it's like people are like, I want to get fit, I want to get healthy. But all day, every day, they're sitting in thoughts of, I'm tired, this is so hard, mm -hmm. I can't be bothered, what's the point? But they're desperately hoping, wishing for it to be pray, it, to change, but they're on autopilot of these unhelpful thoughts and feelings. Yeah, they're operating from the known and, and going off what you just use the example of in the gym, right, or with any health and fitness journey. If, and I've mentioned this so many times in other contexts, but if I go into the gym and lift the same weight for the same amount of reps in the same order on the same day every single week and it's comfortable and it's known, there is no reason for my body to change. There is no stimulus that's getting my body to adapt or there, there is no unknown whatsoever. So from a physiological standpoint, if you think of it as an example like the gym, it's like in order for your biceps to grow, you need to get in there and provide some stimulus and some reason for change. And if, if you, in that process, figure out that 
uh, you know, you're, you're weak in certain movements and you need to improve other areas or you need to start doing less of this and more of that. And now you start to have a bit of a formula for change and you provide that stimulus and you remain consistent and that compounds and, and then we start to see change. Yeah, that's right. Can I, yeah. Can I touch on that? Because that was one of the biggest things that I took away from the event. Um, going off what you just said, the brain being like a muscle in the way that when it goes up against resistance, it'll grow in that area. And everything you face in your meditation is a challenge that you face in your life. So if you're sitting down every day and going through those challenges within yourself, you're, every time you do it, it gets easier and easier. Like lifting a muscle, it's like another rep. Mm. Like lifting a weight, sorry, it's like another rep. So when you eventually come into that challenge in your life, it's, it's much easier than it was before. You got the strength to shift it. Yeah. You mentioned before around asking yourself the question of what do you actually want or what are your intentions? And we just touched on being on autopilot, but also becoming familiar with, and it's not necessarily just going into the meditation with an outcome in mind, but as Emma touched on, I think all three of us really got smacked in the face by realizing, fuck, (laughs) there's a lot of things that I should probably address or things that come up that I didn't come into the meditation expecting to experience or expecting to come up against but my mindset shifted from all right i want to get this outcome from this meditation or i want to feel this experience to then sitting in each meditation and just becoming familiar with what was coming up what resistance was there consistently because there were certain things that for me just keep popping up and then when i would start to zoom out and have some perspective it was like oh well fuck hang on that thing that has come up in the last three meditations if I look at that from an everyday example in life, that also comes up quite often as well. So instead of me coming into the the meditation wanting to have a certain outcome, it was almost like, as Joe talks about, rewiring the brain to become familiar with when these things are arising and, and why, and then being able to sit with them. So what were the things for you, Jake, that, that you found were coming up that you maybe were unconscious of? Because I know you were already meditating a lot, but were there certain things that you kind of were blindsided by in the meditations that really allowed you to become more conscious of it? Well, it sounds like the three of us might have similar experiences, but I realised that, just like you were saying, my expectations are my biggest downfall Mm -hmm. in myself and in my life. So I get... I, I would tend to get frustrated... And the frustration was coming from my expectation of an outcome. And I would take that into my meditation. And it wasn't until I realised that I was doing that that I realised I do that in most areas of my life. And I'm Mm. always pushing for the next thing and the next outcome and the next achievement. But once I push myself far enough in a meditation that I realised, oh, if if I surrender more then I try and push for the outcome, things fall into place and happen easier for me. I think it's important we explain when you say, well, I was trying to achieve an outcome. Like what, you know, what was sold to us a little bit (laughs) was that, um, you know, when you get into this place and into these feelings, it's like this energy that... Is so incredible. It's like bliss. You're like in an this out of body type, you know, just incredible feeling. Yeah. Nearly to you know, 
he would use words like mystic experiences and, you know, um, so... And then on top of that, you're surrounded by people who have been to these retreats before and when they go into meditation, this is not a silent meditation retreat. They are expressing, you know, you're hearing people, you know, have these energy going through their body and they're expressing that with noise and, you know, which really challenged, well, it challenged me, yeah, Um, And sorry before we get going because I will 100% yeah. forget. In just going off the back of that, like for me, I find myself thinking that um, I'm not the type of person who compares myself to others and I feel like I'm pretty good at sticking in my own lane. But on that note, like when someone did have an experience, it was subconsciously then comparing what I was doing to them and then that carries across normal life too. It's like, all right, well, if I'm putting in all this work, and I'm seeing these outcomes, but then there's this other person who's done fuck all or they're doing something different to me and they had this crazy experience, then maybe I should change my path. But, it, but then I quickly figured out that it's not about changing my path to try and have an outcome that someone else has had. It's about sitting with my own path and, and compounding those and, again, as Jake said, not searching for the outcome. But, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I know. I had that on steroids because I sort of go thinking, you know, I, I don't believe I sit in the space in the, in the work that I do thinking, you know, that I'm any better at, than, than anyone else. But I walk into a meditation retreat thinking, well, I'm a qualified meditation teacher, so I'm sort yeah. of going to be okay at this. <laughs> and then, you know, people, okay, I'll tell the story. I sat down ne- next to this girl and she was had never meditated before and she did never left her three children before. She um, had never been out of her state before, never left her children. She was quite upset about leaving her children. She has chronic anxiety, you know. And I took this role of, that's okay, you're sitting, you know, I'm, well, hey, I'm really experienced and I meditate all the time. And, Get out your journal and you take know, some notes. It's like, <laughs> you know, just well, stick with me and yeah. I've got you. And... I don't know about you guys, but when you're sitting next to someone meditating, you could feel their energy, right? I could feel her body twitching with the energy. Mm. I could feel my whole focus was on her and her experience and that how is she having a better experience than me when I'm supposed to be really good at this? And yep. and then I started to notice that in a few meditations, this comparison, um, judgment, Um, what I should be able to do because I'm a meditation teacher and the tighter I gripped on to wanting to get into this state of nothingness, that's what the outcome you're trying to get into, trying to drop into just this abyss of nothing, the tighter I held on to that, the further I got away from it. And there was a moment where I found one of the volunteers and I said, man, I'm like, this is not working for me. And that's when she said sit on the music like get lost in his music now when you do mindful meditation or you do you know tm you don't have music his music is phenomenal it's by you know incredible Mm. composers so i had been sort of tuning out to the music because that's not what you do in meditation but once i actually was able to sit on the meditation and let go of um who was doing what then i was able to start to build a practice from there but it 
like you, Dan, then gave me the ability to, or the opportunity to sit and look at my life and go, well, where am I doing that? Where am I Mm. walking into the room thinking I should be able to do this and they won't be as good as me at that and, you know, I should be the the knower in this situation. I should always be the expert in this sort of field. And it really taught me the importance of any situation I'm in, going in wholeheartedly as a student and looking at what can I learn from other people, Um, whether they're a volunteer or an at-home mum who's never meditated before, there's always going to be something for me to learn. So... What a good lesson, hey? Yeah, and for those that are listening or watching, it almost reaffirms the fact that they're um, not. This is not. This is about not that. This is about forcing you to meditate. But it's like there is no real excuse because when people say I, I'm not good at meditating, as Emma just said, like there was someone who has never meditated before and and got to tap into this emotion and energy frequency that they I'm almost certain that would have never felt before in their life and it's like anything you know we said before we hit record it's almost like a drug like once you've had that little taste of the nothingness or the the out of body or or, you know taking the the mind out of the body it's something that you want to kind of come back to and and like anything it's like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and getting into that unknown yeah well Jake you you started Joe Joe Dispenza meditations all you've ever done is that correct and you started that before the retreat as a complete novice to meditation you didn't start with headspace or anything like that um I did start for around three weeks with just some mindfulness Mm -hmm. and it was a light focus light focusing on your breath meditation and just touching on what you just said for people who say that they can't meditate and think that they can't do it that's exactly how i started so it was a simple meditation you focus on your breath when you notice your mind wander you bring it back to your breath and when i started that it was like even before i got my mind back to my breath it had already jumped to the next thing or thinking about the future or thinking about the past so for anyone who does feel like that's what their mind's doing when they sit down or if they have tried meditating that's you can get past that and it doesn't take very long so i did that for about three weeks me and my wife did that together and i just heard a podcast and it was actually a a neuroscientist studying the effects of meditation on the mind and i was super interested in that because as joe says as evidence is the loudest voice um So I started doing one minute in the morning and quickly built up to 20 minutes. And then three weeks into that, when the first time I realised this is really affecting my life in a positive way, me and my wife were sitting at the dinner table and all of a sudden realised we'd finished our dinner and for three hours we were locked into this deep conversation. And we had to go to bed because we had work the next day, but that wasn't something that we'd normally do. But because we were exercising that muscle of focus we found ourselves lost in the present moment we had a beautiful conversation for three hours and then from there started doing joe's work for about 11 months and then the retreat and here we are so my introduction to joe's work was through his book becoming supernatural and then some online courses and eventually the week-long retreat for because i want to also touch on 
you know, we've all been talking about how we've managed to adapt to coming back to regular life <laughs> um, and then carrying this energy or carrying this intent and the, the ability to, to keep up this work when, when you're back to chaos. Because, you know, I mentioned this on the podcast last week, but to give you a, a very rough idea, it was like I think 36 hours plus of meditation across six days. And that's pretty much all we're doing. Like I wasn't training. I wasn't doing any work really. It was just meditate, learn, eat, sleep, start again. So the variables of distractions and stresses are are quite low in comparison to normal life. But Jake, you were talking to me earlier about how you've had some, um, I don't don't know if using the word mystical is the right way, but some, some synchronicities and some experiences, but also some moments of, of, awareness around certain situations that have come up for you and the ability to respond in a much different way than what you have previously. Are you able to give us some, the listeners a bit of an idea of what that kind of looked like? Yeah. So before meditating, I wasn't even aware that I was pretty much constantly in a state of anxiety, control and stress. But I thought that was life and everyone was going through that and something happens in your life and it makes you feel bad and it stresses you out and then something the next day something good happens in your life and it makes you feel good and that's the way life is. But deep down I always had a sense that there was something else which always kept me interested in personal development and jumping to the next thing which eventually led me to meditation. Um, The easiest way I can explain it for anyone is it is allowed me to gain a greater level of self-awareness. So awareness of my thoughts, awareness of my feelings and the way that I think affects my life in every aspect. Um, There's been some wild things that have been happening in my life lately and... I think that a lot of them would have stressed me out in the past. So it, it's, I'm not quite sure how to explain it, but it goes back to that your mind is like a muscle thing, right? If you're using it in different ways and it could be, all right, I can't focus on my homework for a certain amount of time and you're doing a focus meditation, you're exercising that muscle and you're going to get better at it in your life and every aspect of in your life that relates to focus Mm. if that makes sense Mm. emma i'd love to get your thoughts on this as well before i throw you under the bus with a explanation that you're going to give us in a second about something but um i don't know about you guys but i found something that i wrote down in my notes because i wrote a shitload of notes every day and one of the ones i took away from it was that i need to be more compassionate and kind with myself um and coming back again to not forcing things or not always seeing things as a win or loss or almost taking that competitiveness out of absolutely everything that i do and as jake just touched on like i can't expect to go to the gym today once and then tomorrow look like fucking arnold schwarzenegger right but for some reason i would carry across clients who think like that would you no not at all no no not at all um but but then i would have like you know, a meditation and then when I didn't have a, an outcome, I would be frustrated about it. But then I would think like, well, you know, I know that 
consistency across training compounds over time and, and in time you, you look back at three months beforehand and you won't even know your, your old self. I think one of the unique things about the little group that we, of, you know, the four people that we knew there, we we're all people who are high, high achievers in all parts of our life and then we get put into this space where... Um, there is no ego, there is no one trying to be better than someone else. Everyone's just there trying to change their frequency into a frequency that better serves them in their world mm. and not to win more or to, you know, do more or be better than the person next to them, just to get the best out of this world. You know, Jake, what you just said about that you thought it was just normal for your external environment to dictate how you feel. So today it tells me I'm stressed and I'm anxious. Tomorrow it tells me I'm happy and good and that you're going through your life at the mercy of the external environment. We just landed in these group of people who had like put a line in the sand that said, no more, I'm in control of how I want to think and how I want to feel and I'm sitting down and meditating until I... And let's... Imagine if we even took that word meditation off the table. I'm going to sit down in my own space. I'm going to put headphones on and a blindfold on if you want to. I'm going to listen to this incredible music. I'm going to have this voice guide me through. What do you want to feel like today? What do you want to achieve in your world? What does that look like? Tap into that part of you that loves and, you know, feels joy and... And it's like, I'm going to sit in that space until I can open my eyes and walk out that front door and I am going to be the decider of how I want to feel today and how I want to interact with people and what I want my day to look like and the thoughts that I'm going to say to myself and the way I'm going to deal with uh, the problems. Like, let's take that word meditation out of it and just say, we just landed in a group of people who had finally take, decided to take control over their emotional state. And the busier this world gets, the more noise, the more deadlines, the more pressure, businesses are operating with less resources, people are under more demands, you know, and we are at the mercy of losing our life to this busy world. And I just felt like that week gave me a safety net of no matter how tough life gets, I get to decide how I wanna think and feel. Um, and funnily, after something like spinal cord injury, which is so horrific as a mum to have a child that has a spinal cord injury, and, and many of your listeners right now have had things that have thrown their world into a hurricane, immediately after that, you're forced into this state of where you have to really take care of your emotional state or you will not get up each day. But then as the immediate danger passes, life gets busy again, people are no longer giving you the support that they were giving you, people are no longer sort of giving you a leave pass from things, so you get back into this hectic world. I need it more now than I needed it straight after Will's accident. And I just came away from that week going, oh, I'm back in charge of this. I don't need to have, you know, my clients pay me a certain amount of money or me to get a certain number of jobs or my athletes to get a certain number of performances for me to feel a particular way about myself and my life and have certain thoughts about what's going on for me. I get to choose those. And yes, I get to do it 
in technically what we call a meditation, but really I'm just sitting down, getting my shit in order before I go out into the world, really. Yeah, and it's almost even the act. It's the it's the act of or the acknowledgement to yourself that every single day I'm going to choose to prioritise taking control of my life, or not control, but taking some responsibility for how I kind of carry out life and, and my own circumstances. And as you said, it's not just playing victim to the circumstances that you may find yourself in or, as you mentioned, the external factors, whether it be other people, outcomes, you know, jobs, you know, loss, whatever it may be. It's like once you take that responsibility and the understanding of, like, I get to choose how I show up, I get to choose how I respond, it's a pretty empowering feeling, I think. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, well, that nothing, we, you know, we won't ever face anything that we can't choose how we want to respond to and because you can always choose to respond to it in a calm and measured and controlled way, then really nothing should be able to throw you off kilter does it of course like I've, I don't know about you guys but I've already been thrown off course multiple times mm. since the retreat but I I have a tool that I know that I can go back to and oh. you have the the awareness sorry like the awareness of the fact that you've even responded that way because for most people that are on this autopilot it's like these are behaviors or these are responses or these are conditions that we don't even recognize I already had the awareness. Mindfulness right. gave me that awareness. And I would say to people, gosh, mindfulness was a gift to me. Like it was like, I guess your story, Jake, with the we did the breath and the first time we had this focused conversation, mindfulness was like someone handing me a gift that, hey, you don't have to go through life asleep, right? You can actually be aware of what you're thinking and feeling. What Joe Dispenza did that week did for me was it gave me the science behind it. And this science was so robust and so heavily measured and so weighted in evidence around, hey, when you actually sit down and get control of your internal environment and you turn up in the world with that shit sorted, then this is what it's doing for your health. This is what it's doing for your anxiety. This is what it's doing for um, your longevity. This is what it's doing for all of this stuff. And so I felt for me it was the science that I could not deny. Mm -hmm. And it was like once I heard that science of, you know, that Joe Dispenza's meditation, so anti-anxiety medication has an efficacy of 25 to 30%. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm trying to remember what he said. Joe Dispenza's meditations heavily researched and the evidence is that his meditations had something like a... Do you remember? I think it was between 70 or 80%. I thought it was close to 80% efficacy on managing anxiety. Yeah. Mm. And, and you don't have any side effects of drugs. It doesn't cost you anything. And... Anyone can do it, you know, you put on it's a accessible pair of headphones, any time. Yeah. you can be any age. I, I just came away going, how can you not keep this in your life now you've mm. seen you know, and heard what you've heard? I, I felt that for sure. I can, I can give the listeners an idea of what that looks like for someone who didn't even realise they were struggling with anxiety but now knows that I was day to day, that... We've all been hypnotised, right, to believe that we need external things, objects, 
and experiences outside of us to feel a certain way. And I found once I started to close my eyes and forget about all that stuff and connect with myself and how I was actually feeling and work through some of those feelings, when I realised that I make the decisions of how I feel, I choose how I feel, and all of a sudden you feel like you have a hand in your own destiny and it's not like I was... I didn't even know I had anxiety, so it wasn't like I was trying to um, get rid of it. It just fell away. It just Mm. completely fell away. Are you able to share a bit about, um, and you don't have to go into too much detail, but there was certain uh, meditations where after you and I would talk after every single meditation about our experience and what come up. And for you, the thing that I noticed a lot was the feeling of love in particular and the emotion of love. And and I remember on one of the days, uh, it kind of stuck out to me. You said to me that you experienced a feeling in the meditation that you'd never really experienced before from an external factor or person or event or thing or whatever it may be. Was that something that that shocked you? And I'm assuming it wasn't something that you came into it trying to experience, but the fact that you are able to feel that emotion, what did that kind of unlock for you? Yeah, definitely. So I know now that I had closed my heart off to emotions as a child, like a lot of people do through trauma, um, because it's just safer, right? You don't, if you don't feel anything, no one can hurt you. Um, and I went on a journey battling with myself in, in these meditations and as you said, we did 36 hours of, or something like that and I, for the first time in my life, realised, oh yeah, you're dealing with trauma from your childhood where before I didn't have the level of self-awareness to even assess that that would, could be a thing but when you take everything out, close your eyes, listen to music and you're not thinking about anything else in your life, eventually if there's anything wrong, it's going to come up. So this trauma came up and I was able to think through it uh, with a quiet, peaceful mind and on the other side of that was a deep feeling of love and connection and peace that I'd never felt before and I didn't even know was a thing. So it was pretty special. That's awesome, and so for, so now that you're back home and you know back to work and all that type of stuff, have you noticed that because you are physiologically able to and emotionally able to experience that feeling, then that you've been open to more feelings yeah. from stuff that was already there before that you hadn't been open to? So once I discovered that it was possible to feel that way, I'd I'd slowly get there for a longer amount of time in meditations and sometimes it wouldn't happen and sometimes it would happen. Now I know that if I try and force it to happen, it definitely won't happen. Mm. So I just need to surrender and be open and, again, that tr- that translates into basically every aspect of my life. But um, now that I have experienced that, it comes out in other aspects of my life and I fit, I actually got my wife to write some things down. I asked her what she noticed that has changed in me since I started med- meditating. More compassionate and understanding of her feelings and emotions and, and uh, how I su- support her now 
when I'm not feeling good in myself. Um, sorry, when she's not feeling good in herself, the way I support her um, used to frust- it used to frustrate me when she was upset and I asked her what was wrong and she said nothing. So now I guess I'm being more compassionate and su- supportive of her. We have more in-depth conversations about what's going on in our lives and what we want in our future and our interests. And I don't get stressed and ignore her anymore. Well, so there, there's some of the things. Yeah. <laughs> there's some of the things. And all of that stems from feeling more love for myself, right? Yeah. Which then, if I love myself, then I can, I'm able to love my partner more and my family more and my community more. And that community thing that you spoke about, I didn't even know that was a thing, but being around a thousand people all with a similar mindset, like the sense of community that I felt, I was mm. like, this is special, I need to hold on to this and connect with these people and, yeah. It really reaffirmed to me the the whole cliche, like you're the product of the five people you spend the most time with or whatever, because obviously that's a thousand people, but then when you start to think back at the times that you've felt really great or even right now, like we're sitting in this room and like, even though we're recording a podcast, like the, my energy just feels so good. And like you, I haven't thought once about anything that, that stresses me out or whatever. And, you know, you, you take inspiration from the way I, like even when Jake talks about his experiences, it then fires me up to keep. And I just think it's something that is in with your control for the most part, obviously work environments and, and family and stuff to an extent is, is difficult sometimes, but if you're able to make that effort to surround yourself with people who are operating on the frequency that you want to be on and, and leverage off each other, it's, it was super powerful. A question that I had for you, Emma, um, sorry if there was something, was there something you wanted to add? I just want to add, I wanted to explain to people what Jake was talking about when he just talked about his trauma and, and that coming up is um, something that I've always worked with athletes with is them going into this survival response. And Joe talked about it a lot, that when we're in survival, we are shutting down the energy in our heart and our mind and we're putting all the energy into our reproduction and digestion because that's what enables us to survive. And we are getting obsessed by time and safety and, you know, food and shelter and um, what... a lot of humans don't understand and a lot of athletes don't understand is that when we are under stress in the office or playing a game of footy or, um, you know, in a family conflict, that stress to the human, we can't tell the difference between that stress and the stress of, you know, a caveman being eaten by a tiger. And we are wired when we're under that stress to shut down and we shut down the parts of our creative mind, we shut down that heart. And now we're operating in survival and when we operate in survival, we disconnect from people. You ignore your wife, um, you get frustrated when she's, you know, not happy because it's like that's putting you into survival because you can't help her. Um, You've got this, you know, you went into survival when you had trauma as a kid um, an athlete misses a goal, they, the crowd boo them, they go into this survival mode. And what Joe's meditations, I loved how he would talk about 
those meditations is taking us out of survival because the danger is away. There is no danger listening to music and, uh, you know, tapping into feelings of love and gratitude and joy. So we go out of survival and what, Jake, you experienced was an opening of your heart. I can start to feel again. I can start to feel joy and gratitude and love and I can start to be present in conversations because I'm not looking for an escape route the entire time. And um, because people listening to this will go, well, how did you know you were feeling love? What are you even? What is that even? I love my wife. Like, what are you talking about? But it's actual energy that is mm. no longer in your reproduction and digestion. It's a frequency that now is coming into your heart space and into your mind that feels lighter. It feels freer. It feels like you're more connected and you can show up in a different way. Something that I'm sure you would get a lot, Emma is and i could be completely wrong but it's for someone who does feel like they're able to start tapping into this consciousness and this level of awareness and you know they're they're showing up each day and they're they're doing the act they're doing their meditation they're putting in as much effort as possible and all the stuff that we've been talking about but then the people that they that are in their environment let's say it's a partner let's say it's teammates for an athlete or a coach whatever it is that isn't on the same page how are we able to and i know like energy frequencies can can be felt by other people as well but in terms of getting other people on the same page because i know the one thing you can't do is force someone into something that they're not ready for and not open to doing themselves what have you found is is the best way to be able to stay as that level of consciousness and awareness but also have that rub off effect on on those around you is it just carrying out the act each day and being that role model is it I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. No, it completely makes sense because I'm replaying a conversation our family had over Easter because I have four children and three of the children, we were having a robust discussion that involved feelings and, you know, very vulnerable conversations. And, you know, my eldest daughter is quite aware. She's done a lot of this work and she was getting frustrated at her younger brother and sister who were not showing the same level of awareness in that mm -hmm. conversation. And I was trying to explain to her that her meeting people who are not aware with anger and frustration is her being unaware <laughs> that there are people in this world who are still unaware. Mm. And the best way to deal with that is to come at it from empathy and come at it from a place of being, of empathising that they yet are not, haven't, woken up to that on their journey and you can gently encourage people to do that but we're all here on our own journey and we have to find it i love jake's story because he found it and committed to it you know hopefully some people after this conversation listening to mm. this podcast will be more open-minded to it but you really have to have empathy around the fact that most people are very unconscious and they're not responding in a way because they're you know, I always say take the judgment off the table. Stop judging people for that and have empathy that they're just not aware to that. And that's their survival response. Um, particularly in a football team or a team of sports people where they all sit on different spectrums of, of a level of awareness that you have to come at a place of let me try and understand why you are reacting like that rather than let me judge you for reacting like that. Yeah, I heard someone talk about this the other day, actually, and I don't know who it was. 
So if it was you, I'm sorry. Cause you, <laughs> but I use this tool myself um, after I heard it once around like dropping the feeling of guilt around like fuck ups that I'd had or, or ways that I'd behaved at certain times in my life or things that I'd done by coming at it with a perspective of like that is the level of awareness that or level of consciousness that I was at at that time which does not mean that that's the person that I am at that current moment. That's the level of consciousness I was, I was at. And someone, yeah, I heard this the other day around like when you have someone that is extremely rude to you or when you have someone that makes it what looks like just a fucking horrible decision or, or, you know, treats others like shit or whatever it may be. It's trying to come into it with the understanding of, as you just said, like if you had their same level of consciousness at that exact time and had had their conditioning or whatever it may be, you would have most likely responded in the, in the exact same way if you were in that exact same position. Mm-hmm. So that allowed me to then, which is hard to do at the time and it's something that I feel like I'm getting better with in terms of not reacting or not being affected by their negativity or behaviour from other people. But as you said, if you can look at it with empathy more so, and that feels so much lighter for yourself as well. And like, as Jake said, instead of all of a sudden getting pissed off or frustrated and down because your partner's feeling that way, it's like being able to keep that energy frequency higher for them and yourself by remaining aware. You can, uh, you can also remember what it's like, right? That always helps me. Mm. If someone comes at me with, you know, an outburst, I can feel that empathy because I remember what it was like to be stuck in that program of I have no hand in my destiny. Did you um, feel that when you came back, all you saw was people aggressive, complaining, Mm. um, negative? It was like, ah, you know, it was like on steroids. As soon as I got to the airport, (gasps) 10 minutes after I left... I got there and I hadn't received any notifications, but I got to the to the desk and checked in for my flight and they were like, oh, you've been delayed by like an hour and a half. So I was instantly thinking like, all right, first test, here we go. Sweet, we're all good. And I was meeting Danielle in Sydney and we'd kind of timed it so we would both get there around the same time. So I'm like, all right, it's all good. I'll get there eventually. Sat down and the airport was quite busy and I think most people were there for their one flight, they got delayed and then it comes to again, delayed by a further hour and I was definitely able to just stay super calm and just focus on what I could control, get some work done, give Danielle a call, tell her to go back and relax, whatever it may be but as you said, like looking around and I definitely know that I was one of them and probably will be again at some point, um, that responded that way. But yeah, it's, it's just like if you can, and that's where I find my meditation in the morning for me anyway, helps so much is because when I do leave the house, I'm in that state now. I'm able to see things from a different perspective in comparison to if I just get out of bed and, and roll out and go on with my day, yeah. I find myself almost back in the same level of awareness as, as most other people. Can we go back, sorry Jake, just quickly, if we go back to you saying about you could see that you were guilty, um, you know, see that you were sitting in that guilt and then you could learn to let that guilt go. I want people to understand that the first level of awareness is that we can see what we're thinking, what we're feeling. And I like to explain to people, imagine in that moment, you're just coming out of yourself. So you now are watching 
those thoughts and feelings. So now you are no longer those thoughts and feelings. Those thoughts and feelings are something that's happening to you. They are not you. In that act of you getting that separation from them, that is consciousness. So that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to no longer be the guilt, be the shame, be the fear, be the aggression. And But we, we can see that we're having aggressive feelings or that we're having shameful thoughts. But the fact that I can sit outside of myself and see that that's what's happening, that's what consciousness is. And think of meditation like if you want to um, get a really strong bicep, then if I go to the gym and I punch out a heap of bicep curls, then I'm going to get a strong bicep quicker than if I occasionally walk around the house doing it. So if I sit in a meditation and I get that consciousness where I'm looking at the thoughts and feelings that are coming up for me, I'm seeing where they're coming from. Jake was able to see they were coming from my childhood. I was able to see that they were coming from this belief that I should be an expert in the field. You know, we can see that it's happening and we can see that it's coming from now we are no longer those behaviours and we have a level of consciousness around them. So it's not about starting meditation instantly feeling love and joy and, mm. you know, having mystic experiences. It's trying to get that separation between all of this stuff we're thinking and feeling as being us. You know, um, Joe Dispenza said our personality is our, creates our personal reality so our personality being our thoughts and feelings and behaviours, they create the personal reality of our life. When we start to actually come out of that and we can look at those thoughts and feelings and behaviours, that's when we can start to actually choose what they look like and that's when we can create our own personal reality. And even a step back from that that I didn't even know was a thing, there's a clear distinction between your inner world, your thoughts and feelings, and your outer world, everything else. So that, that just knowing that puts into perspective, oh, I can have a thought and I don't have to endorse it. It's not me. Just because I've had this thought, I can well, choose to, with it. Yeah, I can choose to empower that thought or I can choose to assign that thought as an old program and observe it and uh, eventually resign it. Before we wrap up, I just want to, um, I just feel the audience would get a lot out of this and enjoy it because I did when you told me this story. Um, around uh, a sporting team that you were working with that, that had a really successful year um, when you were with them and, so, and some of the things that played out, particularly around the, the grand final in that season, um, what you were doing during the grand final, but also a couple of players who had, who had been injured leading into it and some of the recommendations you gave them and the outcome of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to share that it was Richmond. You know, Will broke his neck um, the just before I started working with Richmond full-time. So whilst I had been, as I said earlier in the podcast, exposed to Joe Dispenza's work, I really didn't understand it to a great level, but I knew that um, it felt really great and, you know, it, it helped me manage a really difficult situation. And I'd read enough without really knowing the science that I know now from this retreat, that uh, one, it can really help with healing, and two, you can start to put information out into the, the field that starts to create certain outcomes that you want. And 
I can't even begin to explain the science behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was on part of the retreat was very scientific. But I think when I was working with Richmond 2017, I didn't understand the science. I was working with my athletes in a way that um, was very Joe Dispenza-like, but not deliberately. It was very much around helping them get in. And I still work like this with athletes, helping them get into a um, feeling of love and joy and gratitude. You know, I can share the story only last week. Scott McLaughlin, um, the racing car driver, IndyCar driver, you know, we had a conversation. He was very attached to, I've got to have a good race, you know. I really have got to do well here. It's an oval. I'm good at an oval. And and we did a lot of work around Joe Dispenza's concept around awake mind, relaxed heart and really talking about Scott waking up his mind to those old thoughts, those outcome thoughts, those gripping behaviours, and every time that he caught them to really just soften his heart and drop into the gratitude of, you know, I get to do this for a living and how Mm -hmm. cool is this and look what I get to do and look what I'm creating for my family and, you know, I'm really good at this and I love every time I get in the car. And um, Scott and I have worked in this way for years that's not something i've come back from the retreat and done it's something we've always done together and he went from 18th in the race to he came sixth in the race so he was 18th after qualifying when he was gripping tight and then you know was able to relax his physiology and let go of the outcome and get up to six so i know firsthand it works but back in 2017 with richmond a lot of this work was around them getting in joy and gratitude and love and we were doing that. That wasn't just me. That was Shane McCurry's work, the leadership consultant. It was Trent Cotchins. You know, he's very much about that love. It was Damien Hardwick uh, embracing vulnerability. So we had this whole recipe of that. But a few stories stick out for me that I was sharing for you. One was it came to the grand final and we were the underdogs against... Adelaide, wasn't it? Was it 2017 Adelaide? Was that when they did that power stance? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was really unknown. We were the underdogs and actually, no, it was the prelim final against Geelong. Right. We were losing. Yeah. Yeah. And all I knew is Joe Dispenza, the YouTube stuff I watched was like, if you do this particular meditation, if you send the intention out and draw the feeling back to you, then that's going to change the energy in the field. Mm-hmm. So I sat in the rooms. I sat on the train on the way. I did that meditation in the morning before the game. I sat in the crowded train on the way to the MCG and did that meditation. And the whole time that they played, I didn't watch them play. I just stayed in the rooms and did that meditation. And were you, were you trying to feel an emotion of what it would be like winning the game or what was the potential that you were trying to pull in? Yeah, I was setting out the intention of um, them performing at their best rather than the outcome of winning. Okay. And I was sitting in this feeling of the boys just, of everyone, just how great is this, how awesome, like, you know, we've just, the journey, the Mm. experience of of the journey. And now I've got no idea if it affected the outcome or not, but it was um, something I did. But something I have more concrete evidence with is, Two players in that year did the same injury on the same weekend about six weeks out from the finals 
And I, across that year, was starting to give injured athletes the Joe Dispenza meditations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I never made them do it. It was completely up to them. I sort of hacked my way through a bit of science because I didn't really understand it myself. And one athlete decided to do it and would do it three times a day and the other athlete chose not to do it. And the one that uh, meditated the three times a day he made it back back in time for the finals was a really great contributor in the finals was it the meditation i always was like uh, who knows now i've been to the retreat i would say hell yes it's a meditation 100 um, I, I wasn't convinced back then but now i'm like yeah of course but that's what it would be and um i wish i wish i was better at explaining the science so that i could get all of my injured athletes to do it mm. i think just before I wrap up, I think even quickly with that, like almost like you said, like the lady that sat next to you, not knowing the exact science of like what the fuck she's doing. It's just like True. feel the feelings, let let it happen, whatever happens, happens, and then and then that result seemed to be more likely. So I mean, I think get for us understanding the science definitely allowed me to buy into it even more. Yep. But at the same time, I think some of the cool, even when I think about, um, this might be a shit example, but like the breath work stuff, right? When I first did breath work, I had no real clue of like, you know, biolog- biologically what's happening, like how hard you need to try with the breath, like what are we doing, blah, blah, blah. I was just like, all right, I'm hearing these instructions, I'm doing it. And I had the most insane response to it. So I think maybe even just sometimes, I don't know, not, not having... yeah all the step-by-step of why you need to do this, like a training plan. It's more so just like see see how you go with this and, and see how, you, how it feels for you. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I do like to explain to athletes that our nervous system cannot be in that survival mode and in healing mode at the same time. Creation, yeah. So it's like worst case, once a day, twice a day, three times a day for 20 minutes – you're getting into healing mode, you know you're at least... But what most most athletes do, or most people, not even athletes, you know, people at work, I've got a sore back, my back's so bad, oh, I wish my back wasn't this bad. They're sitting in that old story and their nervous system is staying in that survival and cortisol is pumping through their body all day, every day. By at least going, you know what, I'm going to do a Joe Dispenza meditation or a Headspace meditation or a YouTube Mm. meditation morning and night... For 20 minutes, you have at least switched your nervous system over to rest and digest and heal, if nothing else. Now, we know from the science there's a whole lot more than that to do with energy and to do with what's happening with your internal pharmacy and everything else. But all people really need to know is just get into healing mode a couple of times a day. Just Mm. try that. See how you rejuvenate and refresh and everything else. The way I try to explain it to people so they can relate um, is everyone knows, nearly everyone knows that stress makes you sick, right? But no one knows how to get around that. Well, this is exactly how you get around it, right? You train your body and mind to be quiet, not stress, feel love. Oxytocin goes up, adrenaline goes down. And then the more times you do it, the more you're programming your mind and body to be in that state naturally. Just like any other responses it used to, yeah. Yeah. 
Last question for both of you, um, Jake. For you, what what would what was your biggest takeaway from from the week, and how are you implementing that now? The, my biggest thought as soon as I left was, okay, now I truly believe there are infinite possibilities, and I can access those possibilities in my life through the way that I think. Awesome. I truly believe that. What am I going to choose? So that led me down the path of sitting with myself for a a moment and writing some goals down and actually for the first time asking myself, what do I want? Take my wife out of the picture, take my house out of the picture, take my car out of the picture, deep down inside, what do I want? Um, And I just landed on, want to be happy, healthy and free. Um, and then from there, I started thinking about my deeper understanding of what it actually means to what what it means behind there are infinite dimensions and your access to those dimensions, right? So if you go inside and you change the way one thing about you, the way that you think, you're now in a different dimension than the old you because your life is on a different trajectory. And you're, you now have access to different possibilities than you did before. Mm. Um, that was a big one for me. And the other thing, I realised how busy I was and how subscribed I was to the hustle culture and that to be happy I have to achieve and be the best at what I do and always be doing something. And I realised I don't have to do it that way. I can be happy. I can slow down. I can enjoy my life. And all these things are going to come to me anyway. Thanks for sharing, man. And Emma, similar question for you. um, But I also just wanted to add on, was there anything that you really took away from the week that you would now hope to implement with the clients that that you work with as well? The biggest takeout I got, because I always felt like in my work, because I'm not a psychologist, I'm a trained mindfulness coach, NLP, hypnotherapy, psychotherapy. Um, And, you know, I always felt like maybe I'm not doing it right. You know, maybe if I um, had a, you know, degree in psychology, I've got an undergrad, but, you know, if I was a qualified clinical psych, maybe I would do it better, maybe I would do it differently. And I thought a lot of the meditations and visualizations that I created for athletes I thought maybe you know I think they I was doing those quite intuitively and now I feel like someone's given me the science as to why the way I was approaching my work is scientifically helping these athletes get into a higher energy frequency that helps them um, perform from a level of creativity and freedom that um, this work's allowing them to do. So it has given me permission to go even louder and prouder in the way that I work with athletes rather than doubting myself so much as opposed to doing anything differently. Um, So that's been really great for me. Uh, I think personally, a little bit like Jake... I felt like I've taken a deep breath to go, it doesn't matter how hard it gets or how bad it gets, I've got a tool that enables me to choose what my future looks like and so that's quite comforting. Um, So even if a day is really hectic and busy and I only get to do a 15-minute meditation, I know that I can come back tomorrow and it's okay because I've got the tools. They're mine now, they're in my tool belt 
they're always going to be there as long mm. as I choose to dig into them. I can choose how I want to think and feel in this world. Powerful stuff. How mm. good. I what feel like we you? could sit here for a long time. I, I think quite similar to you guys, the, the, I took a, away a bunch of lessons. For me, it was to be more compassionate with myself because I feel like I'm quite, as all three of us are, like competitive and driven and performance-based um, is to try and let go of some of that in certain areas of my life because I feel like I just carry that approach to pretty much everything that I do. Um, the next one was to really step away from forcing outcomes and once I know what, what path I'm trying to go on or, or a rough idea of what the outcome is, and I, and I do believe in setting specific goals and whatnot, but at the same time, like, setting that goal and then surrendering to, surrendering to it, making sure that, you know, my habits and my thoughts are aligned with that same direction and then just letting things come to me instead of constantly, like, waiting for what I think should happen. Um, and, and that was something that still comes up a lot in the, in the meditations and something that I'm getting better at is not having an expectation of what quote unquote should happen. Cause I don't fucking know. I don't know what should happen. No one does. So allowing whatever happens to happen, um, and allowing things to come to me instead of me trying to yeah. always bring myself to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just so many things, but yeah, it was definitely an eye opener. And, and outside of all those experiences, I just think as well, like I, I said to Jake and I was so glad that I, that I saw you at the airport mm-hmm. and that you were going, um, and we even were Jake, so naive back then, weren't we? Holy we did, fuck. We had, like, I had no idea. We did, we started one meditation at 4am in the morning. We did a four hour meditation one morning. I we had no idea. I came we into it to. for three weeks and, <laughs> I, and I had been quite lazy ish or just making excuses. My meditations had been like 20 minutes a day and I still think that's great. But then leading into the event, I was like, you know what? I'm doing 45 to 60 minutes a day every day for three weeks. And I'm like, fuck yeah, nothing's going to unsettle me. And then after the first day, I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. It was like six hours on day one. And I was like, wow. Um, but like, I felt like I got to know Jake extremely well in one week. Yeah. And then for me, firsthand, like seeing the difference in every, the whole energy in the room for sure, but even like just being able to debrief with Jake and yourself after each one. And then just, as you said, like the difference between both, all three of us by the end of the week was just crazy. And I think everyone just was just lit up and, um, and you could just tell that the thing that I found you could tell in everyone was just this sense of like possibility. Like everyone was just like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was just like this feeling of possibility that everyone knew that they possessed themselves that as Jake said, you didn't need from anything or anyone else like you had it within you so let's tell the listeners how they can start how would you recommend they start with joe's work well meditation work would you would you say start with joe's work i honestly now would yeah yeah i think you know even jake said he he tried and i was the same started with something like a headspace whatever because it was just like i hadn't even no concept of what meditation was but Going back again, I would I would start with Joe's work and, you know, we did um, his progressive, well, I've done his progressive workshop, I'm sure you guys have as well, um, some of his online um, courses, which, again, gives you the benefit of having the understanding of, of what's actually going on and what you're out to do as well as the meditations. But um, I, I don't know, I feel like either the blessing of the energy centres or even the new potentials 
is something I, I honestly started with the new potentials when I started with Joe's meditations and I've found that something to be quite beneficial but I don't know you're the expert here yeah, so I wouldn't start on blessing <laughs> the, the energy centers people um, I would I would start with his morning and evening is what I would start people on mm-hmm. um, and because I think that's sort of 20 I think that it used to be 20 I think now it's 30 minutes mm. um, if you've not meditated at all what I like about Joe's meditations is there's music you're not trying to sort of entirely still your mind um, and I always say to people, find whatever time you can, but if you can do it in the morning so that you're walking mm. into your day having managed your emotions, it, it is really powerful. But my daughter, for instance, I'm making her listen, making her, <laughs> highly suggesting to her yeah. that she listens to Joe's sleep time one. And I'm like, just fall asleep to it. Yeah. Um, so um, I think his morning and evening ones are good, but I agree with you that if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, God, I really want this in my life, then his progressive workshop on, the, um, on his website, it's not very expensive. No. That's going to give you a lot of the science that we're talking about. Now, that's if you really want to dive in if you don't really want to dive in you want to dip your toe into the water you can even do some of these youtube ones i think um i asked this question to one of the volunteers one of his staff members what should i start what would you say i start an athlete on who knows nothing Mm. she said morning and evening and she said he's in the box one is it called in the box changing boxes boxes, Mm. um is a good one to start with and infinite possibilities yeah one more thing with that. I think with the course, the benefit of it and similar to the the, the week uh, retreat, I don't think you can, can compare the two. But I just find it very difficult to, to comprehend. And if anyone was able to go through the whole course online, I can't see anyone then choosing to not at least yeah. try it for a period of time. Because once you've seen it and then experienced it a little bit and gained an understanding – to me, as you've said, Emma, it's just undeniable. Like, I think you'd just be crazy to not at least dabble with it for a little bit and see how you go. But we also want to try and start up a bit of a group for walking meditations as well. Yeah, so um, maybe I'll chuck up a, yes. an update on that online. But if you listen to this and you're intrigued, and even if you've never done it before and you want to try a walking meditation, I will send send me an email and I'm going to start to put together a bit of a list and because we want to create a, a group in Melbourne um, of people who can start to try these walking meditations and build a really cool community and it might this might be a good way to kick it off. Yeah. For anyone who's um, mechanically minded or uh, sort of checklist orientated, um, I would start with the book Becoming Supernatural. No, I would disagree. No. I just, I think that's a really hard read. Well, if you don't want to read it, you can listen. I think it's a hard I found listening to it was difficult. Right. I'd I'd listen for 15 minutes and then I would have to have a break. (laughs) But that's just my brain. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, Jake, you've got a highly, your brain might be wired a little bit better than mine, but that is a hard read and a hard listen. I think you're much better with Googling interviews with like Lewis Howes, the NFL, is that his name? Yeah, Lewis Howes and Ed Milet have really good interviews with Joe. I would start with his, 
interviews on that. Um, That's why I prefixed it. Mechanically (laughs) minded. Okay, (laughs) clearly I'm not. So if you are mechanically minded, (laughs) read Supernatural. If you're wired like me, which is not mechanically minded, uh, do not read Supernatural because it's very high level. Maybe that's why everyone I recommended to never reads it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a hard read. Because it can't. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Um, YouTube. Um, the walking meditations, you have headphones on and your iPhone, mm. and, but we all go together, but we're all listening to the same meditation. And it's you're an incredible experience. Walking and then stopping with your eyes closed. You're not lying down. You don't have to sit cross-legged. You mm. don't have to do weird dances. You just walk, stop, walk, stop. Yeah. And it's ex- yeah. an ex- extremely it's powerful experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so walking into how you want to feel in your life, walking into what you want your life mm. to look like. Um, thanks so much. Sorry to shut down. So the both of you. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for coming in today, guys. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, I absolutely love the week with the both of you. It was awesome. And, and for everyone who's tuned in, uh, I think you should take a lot away from today's episode and and if you have any further questions um for any of us feel free to send them across and i can pass them on to both emma and jake and let us know if you're keen to join our little community it'd be it'd be awesome but thanks so much for coming in guys appreciate it thanks for having me pleasure